Good evening, you... Tentacle-sucking, feudal peasants. Okay, you just jumped on into it, huh? Uh-huh. Just, just threw yourself... When you have a moment, you have to grab it by the, uh, the mating horn. Okay. As it were. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I can't dispute it. Uh, this is the Smutcast, your source <laughs> for everything. I mean, just... Just weird... We just I, we just tread in in weird waters here. Everything really weird, but also surprisingly well written. Yeah, uh, weird and erotic and self published on the internet is is what we trade in here. My name is Trevor. My name is Rachel. And um, so, happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to me! I hope the song isn't still copyrighted. Is today your birthday? No, it was okay. it it was this month. It's my birthday month. Okay. I'm one of those bitches. Uh, but because it is my birthday month, I asked to uh, pick something near and dear to my heart for this episode. And if, if and you really didn't get what you bargained, I for. really didn't. But you it, asked yourself because you're the one who. Who makes the choices here? And and you chose your secret, secret horny shame, or not is even it, shame? Is it even a secret though? I feel it's, like I talk about it. It is at best an open secret. Yeah, so I chose orcs because orcs be my jam. Uh, that's my weird sex thing that I'm into. Um, and so I went on our dear friend Amazon, uh, all hail Bezos. Um, <laughs> no. And I tried to find some gay, some explicitly like gay erotic orc stories. What was the selection like? Because what not you, good. What you chose was very singular. I would have imagined that there would be kind of like a wide selection of of just general more. If if you can call an orc story mainstream, more mainstream orc material. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call from a. a Old manager? Goodbye. Um, no, we're on good terms. We're friends. I just don't know why he's calling me. Whatever. Who wants to see if you can pick up a shift? <laughs> you at, the where, at the warehouse that I worked at ten years ago. Uh, yeah, they just really need you. They just really Man, need you. Man, they're slammed. Yeah, at 7.41 on a Wednesday. Um, yeah, so the selection was not good. Was there a lot of uh, hetero... Orc. There was more. There orc was stuff. more hetero orc stuff than gay orc stuff. And the gay orc stuff that I found was mostly just like 20 page, like quick rub stories. Because Trevor, this this was a beefy, uh, this is a beefer that you brought us today. This was 200 pages of just really visceral descriptions yeah. of like knuckles brushing against the rim of a butthole. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of. Like, that would be an entire page, like, devoted to that moment. I I was certainly impressed with, like, the, um, I don't know if the level of prose is the right word, but just the magnitude of the prose. (laughs) This was something that our, okay, so let's, let's back up. incredibly dramatic. Let's back up real quick. We are reviewing Twyla Tucson, which not a chance in hell. That's a that's a name. Twyla is not a name. Let's start with that. I think it's uh, been a name. 
Listen, I dealt with a client at work the other day that whose name was Tuesday, spelled T-U-E-S-D-A-I. So Twyla is probably a name too. Oof, that's rough. Um, so Twyla Tucson, who I I believe neither that that is her name. I also don't believe that it's a her. Um, but we are uh, reviewing her work, Skegox. The Skegox The Skegox box set. And so quick sidebar, Trevor, what uh, what is it that tips you off uh, to the idea that this is not a woman writing? Because um, we usually get the opposite. We get, like, we've gotten, have, have we gotten a lesbian erotica that has been very, or at Oh, least, yeah. Remember the fairy story? The fairy story was not written by a girl, That's I don't right. think. Or, uh, like, being able to clock when something is written by a heterosexual man. Yeah. Um, so what are the tells here? I mean, I don't know if there are explicitly tells. It just seems like... Normally, I feel like when a woman writes gay male erotica, um, there's like a very comfortable net that those stories usually fit inside of. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually... Um, two sort of traditionally attractive men with very, like, standard genitalia. Right. There's not a lot of prep. There's not a lot of, like, it's always just, like, very, um, passion-oriented, I guess. There's not a, I, I haven't encountered a lot of gay porn written by straight women that's just, like, down and dirty fucking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which this was for 200 pages. Okay. Just without reprieve, too. And, yeah, down and dirty. Dirty is a good way to describe it. I, I can't think of a better way. I guess I just... I can't imagine a woman based on... And, and this is gonna, gonna sound bad, but it's based purely on, like, the smut that I've encountered in red. I don't see a woman writing a chapter-long gangbang scene wherein the bottom is, like, the more traditionally, like, big and and beefy and powerful partner. Yeah, what a subversion of expectations there. There there were a lot of elements of this that were surprising and delightful. Uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say sexy necessarily. Yeah, but... so let's let's jump right into it. Uh, I like orcs, mm-hmm. and um, so nor- what do you like about orcs? I like orcs uh, because I, I like um, sort of. Uh, I mean, it's twofold. Like one, I uh, like in real life. I like the body type of like big kind of hulking dudes. Sure. Um, and. I, I very much am fond of the uh, narrative trope of the um, the sort of like powerful character who is um, kind of also very soft and very tender and very gentle. Is that uh, like, like the like gentle typical, giant trope? Is that a typical orc quality? Do you find no? But I think that in a lot of like romance oriented stories and erotic oriented stories, they they're set up for that. Sure. Uh, like a lot of what I've read. Uh, in my private special time, um, <laughs> like tends to follow like a lot of erotica doesn't, but a lot of erotica does follow the traditional sort of like BDSM like power exchange, but then aftercare and sure, and, there's like a a tenderness to it. Yeah, and and that really appeals to me. I think it's very hot. Um, so I I got this these books not 
really knowing, like, they don't... And, and when I looked at the Amazon listing later on, I was like, oh, well, I should have read closer. Because uh, it, it doesn't hide it, but it's not up front with, the, with just how weird things get right. right out the gate. Because looking at the blurbs for each of the individual stories in this set, you really don't get the full scope of of what I'm calling the the genital aha moment. Yeah. So the the traditional orc, um, well, there isn't a traditional orc, really, in, in, in narrative real. fantasy. Um, like, there's the Tolkien orc, where they're, like, kind of awful goblin creatures, and they're, sure. they're, they're, they're bigger than people, but they're also kind of modeled and kind of, um, like, they almost look like they're falling apart. Like, you've seen Lord of the Rings or, or The sure. Hobbit. So, like, on the fuckability uh, scale of, like, one to ten, this is about a three and a half. Oh, uh, well, that's being pretty generous. Sure. Um, and then there are, like, the Warhammer orcs, where they are big and green, but they're, like, ridiculously big. Like, they're, they're like, shaped like refrigerators. <laughs> uh, and they're just, like, completely mindless killing machines. And uh-huh. I think in the sci-fi version of Warhammer, they're, like, funguses. Okay. They, like, reproduce by spores. It's kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I wish that Warhammer 40k didn't fucking suck. Come at me, nerds. Um, but then you have, like, the Warcraft ner- orcs, which are what I think of, and what I, like, when I play D&D and I have orcish NPCs, they're what I'm basing them off of, where they're big green humanoids with the tusks and the uh-huh. and the the kind of heavier brow and the, the stocky build, and they're as sentient as any other race. They're just a, a variation on that. So when you're, uh, when you've got the shades drawn and you're alone in the night times, uh, <laughs> about to have some Trevor special time, is that the, is that the orc, the third orc that you oh, yeah, are, for sure. are having in mind there? Okay. Um, and that's what, that's kind of what we get here. Kind of. <laughs> with so, caveats. With big old caveats. So that's what I was expecting when I got into this story and what I got in, in a way, I'm kind of delighted by the fact that, like, this story just, like, completely upended any expectations. It wasn't sexy upending of expectations, at least to me. I don't I don't want to speak for anyone else. Uh, but Twyla was like, she took a look at all three of those orcs and she was like, nah, nah, not for me. Um, <laughs> and she, she decided that in her world, orcs were um, aquatic, like they come from the ocean, mm-hmm. they're cold-blooded, they're still like big and beefy and powerful and kind of brutish. They have the tusks. I they think. have little tusks, um, but they don't have penises. <laughs> they are um, sort of a hermaphroditic aquatic creature with, uh, with cloaca and sort of like a mass of tentacles where the ding-dong should be. That can be kind of like... They, 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 a sexually mature orc in this world can apparently like shift their... Yeah, they can manipulate their tentacle structure. To look like a ding-dong. And it's like Twyla knew that this was going to be really off-putting to people, and she remembered for a moment that this was supposed to be a sexy time story, so she, I feel like she kind of eases you into the weirdness by... Starting out, at least, having the orcs fashion their tentacles into a phallic shape. You know what's weird about this story is I almost... And and maybe it is. I don't know. But it almost feels like this is a non-erotic world 
that I'm reading erotic fan fiction about. <laughs> like this is like this is a fantasy world that like there's a version of this where there's like straight up just normal fucking fantasy, non-erotic, where with that has aquatic orcs and and this weird social structure, and then Twilight's just writing erotic fan uh, fan fiction about that specific fantasy world. Um, I'd buy that. And honestly, like, I guess if that's the way that you were going to do this, if you were going to sell a 200-page work, I can't really imagine a better way to than to kind of, like, approach the world as, like, create creating a unique fantasy world first and then having things fuck in it. Sure, um, yeah. That said, uh, you know, I would have preferred... Uh, big green normal ding-dongs but 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 that's but that's not what we got and that's not the story that we're going to talk about so do you want to kind of give an overview i don't think we have to really break it down there's three stories in this and you can't see air quotes because this is a podcast but there's like three stories, stories in, in this, the loosest sense but they're all the same they're all part of the same plot sure yeah like they're all the same characters and the same ongoing it's development of this relationship between uh, the main characters, uh, Skagox, who is our main orc, and Alwit, which is our main human. And a couple of orcish side pieces that make and a, an, an appearance. And some human uh, side pieces of, yeah. as well. So the, the first story is called Skagox, the Orc's Reward, and it kind of sets up the dynamic between orc and human in this universe. So it's it's a very strange world. It's like It, it, it seemed solidly kind of medieval to me at first, but there are all, like, little touches of of something else like they're we we start out with Alwit who is a a handsome human man with a defining scar on his face which is how Skegox later uh identifies him in future encounters because apparently according to orcs humans all kind of look the same which I thought was kind of a fun mm-hmm. uh orcish perspective but so in this in this world in this little village area orcs are uh are prone to setting traps in the ground for for various creatures they can eat. They, they don't typically eat humans, um, but they will set, like, a pit trap that uh, sometimes a human will happen to fall into. And it has come to be known by the humans in this area that um, if they fall into the trap, the orc will help them out of the pit uh, from which they can't really escape themselves, I guess. It's just too deep. But the, uh, the payment required of them by the orc is some form of a sexual favor so so you've just got these horny villagers just being like oh no i fell in the pit <laughs> whatever will i do you know whoopsie <laughs> i tripped and i tripped and fell onto your tentacle mass it's it's kind of a, a pretty adorable setup actually because the the first story that's the orc's reward it kind of plays this uh, this scenario uh, off as like a one-off thing like it's not something that happens a lot but it's a situation that Alwit the human happens to find himself in and he is rescued from the pit by Skegox who is your typical big hulking refrigerator sized orc um, and there's a sex yep that's, and that's the story he is rescued and there is a sex he gets um. stuffed full of tentacles right up the butt mm-hmm. and I think in his mouth but they are at this point, I think, shaped like a, a penis, right? Yeah. We haven't we haven't eased our way into the the weirder tentacle play that does happen later. But 
they have a romp, and uh, Alwit is filled to capacity with tentacles, and he loves it. And, and something that I think, because we, we do a lot of stories that are basically like, uh, set up, set up, set up, and then they fuck. Then they fuck. Uh, something that I feel like sets apart this story, uh, kind of from the outside, is it's that like, like fuck, fuck, fucking, and set up. Well, <laughs> more. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, <clears throat> damn, I got I got a little throat issue. A little, we'll little see, froggy. We'll see if I can edit that out. Probably not. Um, fuck it. This is realism. Yeah. Uh, both of them have not just kind of distinct voices within the narrative, but they also have very distinct viewpoints from one another, and we're privy to both of those viewpoints. I felt like this was like kind of like the apex predator of the and then they fuck short story. <laughs> uh, because even coming away from just this short story, I felt like I knew who both these characters were and th- what their kind of perspective on what had just happened was. Right, I agree uh, with you there. Like, this... I, for a weird orc tentacle thing that this story is, like it is pretty remarkably well written. Yeah, all I'm told. So impressed. That, that, that's uh, that's how it, it managed to be bearable for two hundred pages for me because you do get Alwitz sort of like he's got like this devil may care like folk hero attitude I think, and he's kind of arrogant, very confident, but not in an off putting way. He's just sort of very charming and very sexually. Uh, self-assured. And they're, they're, they're very much sexual equals in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like the story a lot of the time is them pushing each other to be better That's lovers nice. over the course of the story. Sure. Like, they're constantly trying to one-up each other or, like, bring the other more pleasure. Um, and that's... I, I feel like maybe um, cut the middle of the, the synopsis real quick to talk about, like, I didn't find the, if you'll forgive me, the meat and potatoes <laughs> of uh, this story uh, to be particularly sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, I'm not into uh, into amphibious hermaphrodite creatures. Mm-hmm. I'm not into tentacles, um, but I think that this story is kind of a fascinating way like I, I think about like all of the shitty like dragon and alien and like all of this uh, erotica that we read where it's like and he ha- and he was a handsome human man with a, <laughs> right. with a big penis I'm um, <laughs> like well that's you're not an alien anymore right I, I think that this is a um, sort of like fascinating dive into like the xenophilia kink and right. like someone who was really into exploring the idea of like what sexuality could look like to a non-human creature to a non-human sentient creature uh and i think that in a lot of ways there there is something like genuinely sexy about um the way that the writing portrays their experiences together and their uh desires to be uh, better lovers and to provide better experiences for one another. Um, sure. And like, how many times have we talked about in, in this podcast after having read one of these disappointing monster erotic stories, like 
just lamenting the fact that these authors never go far enough or get Ooh. as weird Ooh, as no. Trevor's getting Facebook messages. They never get as weird with the sexuality of the of the monsters involved as it seems like the reader who's seeking that out would expect them to. So this like seeing Twyla go there and she like she went there and she kind of owned it, right? She owned it. She kind of went further. She, she's she's forging new new paths into strange sex. And like she's doing it in a way that I think even for someone who's not into what is literally going on here, uh, I think that there is something. Like, there's a bit in the third story um, that is from Skagok's perspective um, where he talks about the like, heat. It's, it's established over and over again that orcs are not warm-blooded creatures in this setting. And so that touching humans or, like, inserting themselves into humans or being inserted in return is, like, a very bizarre sensory experience Mm -hmm. um for them because they're they're sharing body heat when they don't produce any of their own right um and there's a bit in the very last story where skagox is like kind of like mentally narrating this moment and he talks about how he feels like he's melting yeah um and the prose is like genuinely really hot yeah Uh, and not in a and in a way that like not only am i not into like the literal thing that's happening but i can't imagine what that's like because i am not a fucking uh cold-blooded creature despite what some people may tell you uh and like to not only have this be like kind of genuinely like hot prose um for an experience that i can't imagine or that i can't relate to and for, like, a sex act that I'm not particularly into, like, that's impressive writing. Right. Uh, like, that's that's genuinely great kind of erotic storytelling. And I would say that's kind of, like, what... Like, that should be the goal, right? Like, yeah. someone should be able to pick up your thing, and even if it's not their thing, should be able to find it kind of hot, right? Yeah. And she... I mean, she so deeply immerses herself into Skegox's experience and really richly describes like also herself not knowing what it would be like to be a cold-blooded creature like surrounded by human heat but she yeah it's the caliber of the writing that makes it kind of sexy even though it's really strange too yeah um so we can go back into the the plot stuff i just wanted to kind of touch on that um and just how the level of impressed that i was with the prose kind of from the word go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. The, the second story was, a, a, I would say, a touch convoluted. Maybe because there's so mu- so many different kinds of genitalia, like, flurrying around at once. Yeah, that's the only story where we have multiple orcs at the same time. And then, uh, is this, was it this story or the third one where three, there's like a triple penetration in one, that's um, that's in, in the third one. In one during the, ga- the gangbang mm-hmm. scene, the other gangbang scene. Yeah, uh, Twyla likes her some gangbangs, she does. but she's equal opportunity about it. Like there's uh, humans fucking orcs, orcs fucking humans. There's like non-masculine presenting orcs uh, involved. Javelin, with it. our buddy Javelin. Um, like she's just like very liberal with like what body types 
she describes erotically. Like I think the the or the human in um, the second story is like described as sort of like paunchy and middle aged. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, all right, he like sure he can be sexy. Why not? Um, whereas I think like M Allwit, sorry, is um, kind of traditionally like a a handsome, kind of, strapping, like a, a very strapping, like, like masculine. Macho He's very lad. tall. Um, I did appreciate that. Uh, I had forgotten about that. That you reminded me that in the second story, the other human Umwald, Umwald, I think Umwald, Umwald, who is Allwit's landlord. And uh, sort of steals his his spot in the in the fuck pit. There's a very uh, comical scene there. That's the second story starts with Alwit, like in in these easily rip. He's basically tearaway track pants for yeah. <laughs> uh, for the medieval set. He's just like throwing himself into this pit, just ready to be ravished by Skegox again. And uh, as he's waiting for the orc to show up. Two two other dudes come with their easily tear away. <laughs> is this bit taken? Yeah, exactly. And they they sort of try to bargain with Allwit and say, like, "Hey, are you sure that you couldn't tolerate us joining you, or at least like getting like just getting in on this this sesh?" But they end up trading places for a couple of like silver shekels or something. Yeah, and Umwald is the one that gets boned down on, but he. But yeah, he is described as sort of a paunchy older dude, but then there are moments from Skegox's perspective where he's like, but he had like a very pleasing curve of the buttock or something. Like, it's just like his body is being appreciated too. Yeah, and like, it felt like the, this story, like the, the orcs are all different shapes. And in the third story, like a lot of the humans are described as being different shapes. Um, I feel like a lot of erotica authors have very narrow ideas of like what both like male and female beauty can look like and they kind of stick to that one mm-hmm. outlook and this story doesn't really do that which is another area in which it's impressive to me yeah. um it really feels like i mean for a story about like just like orc fuck pits like <laughs> twyla's weirdly kind of progressive yeah uh, she's like hermaphroditic orcs and punchy middle-aged dudes. I'm down. I'm down to bone down on all of it. And then she plays with the, like this, orcish, like idea of masculinity and like the the fear and then curiosity and then eventual desire to be fucked by somebody else, mm-hmm. which I, I guess is kind of goes off in its own direction because these orcs are hermaphroditic and seem pretty okay with being fucked. By fucking and being fucked with abandon, but I know that in in the third story, Skegox seems kind of reluctant to admit that he's interested in having a human fuck him. So, mm-hmm. but it seems like the it's the human part of that that's right. more objectionable to him than than being the receptive partner in the sure. sex act. But it's like a twist on that that sort of adhering to like a. A top and bottom. Yeah, I mean, have we read a story with two men wherein a character is a verse? I don't think we have. I mean, other than like Yes Roya, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't think counts. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's I can't uh, I can't think of a time that that we've done it on the podcast. Maybe a listener can correct me. 
Um, but yeah, uh, really, the story is just kind of like a, an endless parade of sex scenes that all sort of serve the development of uh, Alwit and Skagox's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the story is ultimately about them forming sort of a bond and a partnership and sort of mutual trust between them, facilitated by just like a lot of gangbang scenes. Um, and there's an interesting uh, attitude towards like a sexually open relationship that I that I liked in this story. And I liked like how just like the very casual acceptance of the fact that both Skegox and Alwit would continue to fuck other people, even if they did consider themselves somehow bonded, like in whatever way that like Skegox's cultural understanding of, of that and Alwit's would sort of intersect. Yeah. I thought it was very, it was weirdly sweet when they're having that conversation uh, and Skagox's objection isn't that uh, that Alwit is is involved with other people. In fact, he finds the idea that he would be bothered by that almost perplexing. What he's bothered by is the idea that because Alwit was involved with other people, that he wasn't giving him his best, best sex. That his he could. best sex. That's the phrase he uses. He's like, don't don't give your best sex to someone else. That's all I'm asking. Like that's that's a that's very cute to me. Like that's it a is. very a very sweet idea. Um, and it's interesting that in this orcish culture, like the idea of like an expectation of monogamy is completely foreign, and there's not even like a, a point of reference for him for that. Yeah, I um, I don't feel like there is a whole lot to really kind of dive into with this story, um, other than what we've covered so far. Mainly because I'm hard pressed to think of. Any super problematic elements. Yeah. Like, consent is a little touchy, I think. At least with the implication that, like, what does he do if humans fall in there and they don't want to have sex with them? Sure. Um, but that's that's never brought up in the story. And I don't think that the uh, the author really wants you to, to lean on it too heavily. And, right. and, and he does mention that he accepts, like, other things as payment. Right. Um, there, there are instances of maybe what you might consider like forced orgasms or kind of kind of pushing the limits of like what what a person can take, but mm-hmm. not in a way that that gives the impression that they're not like interested in in continuing even if it's a weird consent thing like there's like it's like, oh, it's too much, but is it really too much? Yeah, um. And so, like, that, I think, could make someone uncomfortable. And I wouldn't tell you that you're wrong Mm -hmm. if it did. But at the same point, I feel like all of the consent is pretty enthusiastic in the the story. Sure. Um, And I think even at its most line-pushing point, I feel like we're always within the characters' heads and they're thinking about what the other person is feeling. Like, Alwood is very aware of what Skyrox is feeling is very paying a lot of attention to it. Sure. Uh, I think that there's a point in the third story which uh, centers around so um, Skyrox has been trying to get um, to get Alwit to top him. Mm-hmm. Like he's, but he doesn't have the words for what that is. Like there, he doesn't, it's sort of a rom-com like 
series of, of miscommunications. Yeah, there's like her. several pages that's like him trying something dumb to convince Awa to do it, and then they just end up fucking like normal, which is uh, it's goofy, but it's also kind of cute. It's cute. Um, and eventually he's like, well, if if them throwing themselves into my pits is is how it, it works and how I usually end up uh, going to town. Uh, maybe I should throw myself into one of his. Um, and he gets that idea because somewhere in the second or third story, uh, all it has a few uh, sexual interludes with uh, what I would consider Skegox's physical uh, opposite, who is uh, his the- orc friend Javelin. Who's sort of like a femi, like kind of like less masculine presenting orc. He's like a tall, willowy, like long white hair, big, beautiful eyes. Um, and and he seems to also he is also versatile. The story yeah. establishes that, but he seems a lean. He just top unwalled, I think. Yeah, he and does. There's um, a playful scene where he uh, he and Alwit catch clams together, and then roast them over a fire and then get down to fucking. Yep. Uh, and if there's one thing that Game of Thrones has taught me, it's that apparently clams make you wanna fuck. Well, I know oysters are supposed to. I didn't Is know. that oysters? Oysters are supposed to, like, traditionally really? considered an aphrodisiac. Yeah. Who knows if it's I can't true. imagine a thing less sexy than oysters. They're very decadent. They're delicious. Do you not like oysters? They're like, it's slime in a shell. It's tasty slime. Okay. Dip it in some melted butter. I mean, anything is delicious when you dip it in melted butter. That's cheating. That's what Javelin comes to find in this story. He's, like, dazzled and a little bit turned on by this the presence of melted butter. And yeah, his, he's his turned, up, turned on by butter. Um, he's just turned on by butter. Discovers his butter fetish. Um, anyway, so Skagar throws himself into this pit, which he specifically builds. Like, he's like, hey, I dug you this hunting pit. Isn't that cool? Oh, no, I fell in. Well, he got the idea because... Uh, Javelin was caught in uh, one of Alwit's like rabbit traps, and Skagox like furtively watches and like jerks off uh, as he's observing this this moment between Javelin and Alwit, where he's like, "Oh no, I got caught in your trap." Which you, a, you know that motherfucker wasn't caught either. Yeah. This, is, this story is just like a long string of people like clumsily pretending to be caught in traps in order to initiate sexual contact. Like it's very goofy. Um, anyway, so but that, but that that kind of backfires on him when it turns out that that day uh, Alwit is like hunting with like a big old hunting party, um, and so they decided like, all right, well, I guess we're just running a train on this org. That's our afternoon now. <laughs> uh, and um, there's a moat that like throughout all of it, uh, Alwit is like sort of like basically, like, using these other members of his hunting party to, like, facilitate this sexual experience that he knows that Skagox wants. And through the whole time, we're, like, we're very in Alwit's head a lot for, for most of it. Uh, and one of the hunters at one point is like, oh, well, like, we've been doing this for, like, an hour. Um, like, maybe we should, like, like smack him on the butt or, like, uh, like or squeeze one of his tentacles to make him sort of, like... Uh, tighten his muscles a little bit more mm-hmm. and all it's like uh you do you're gonna lose a hand my boy um like he's <laughs> he's very very protective of of what he views as skagox's limits and 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 comfort levels that is very sweet um which which kind of works 
for me to limit some of like the less comfortable consent sure. issues. Um, Everyone seems very, at least instinctually aware of the other's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like not a lot of super problematic stuff that I noticed. There sure is a big old fisting scene at the end, though. There is, but it's one of the rare one of the rare moments where a fisting scene happens, and I'm not like, why is this here? Why <laughs> why is this happening? I mean, if your partner is like that much bigger than you are, like orcs in this setting are supposed to be like giant eight or nine feet tall, like they're big boys. Um, and the one of the major points is like a single human zone isn't quite enough to give them what they're looking for. Um, so like the idea of the fisting scene, this thing, like them over, and this goes back into the xenophilia thing. Like all it has to overcome their different bodies mm-hmm. in order to provide the most pleasure. Like he has to be, um, sort of adaptive and uh, cognizant of the different shapes and functions. Their anatomical, their anatomy, like for, incompatibilities. Yeah. And he does this by sticking his arm like up to the shoulder, I think, into the butt of Skagox. Which, like, all right, like if that's if that's what it takes to to get your man off, <laughs> whatever like, it takes, do, do it, man. Like, I, I it, it doesn't bother me in this particular instance. Just like I don't think it would bother me. In, like, a dragon story with a literal dragon. Because, like, what are you going to do? Like, you got to do something to make this work. Uh, Sure. Um, Yeah, I I started reading this story um, thinking, yay, orcs. I like orcs. Orcs are hot. (laughs) And then I got... I got you you were just giving a gift to yourself. Yeah, and then I got to the tentacle masses and the cloacas, um, which is what uh, Skagox refers to... Uh, every his beehole. Every beehole. Um, so, do you think Skegox has a regular butthole? Too? No, it's just it, what he calls. He just calls it the cloaca because it's established that it performs all the functions. But I'm saying, are the orcs? Are they packing like what you would recognize as a butthole? Do you think, or is it like an actual whatever a cloaca looks like? I think it's. Um, I mean, when it's something a human arm can fit into, but that's really all I've got as far as when when. <laughs> when Alwit describes it, it sure it sure does sound like a butthole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also established that like if an orc is in heat, which the story refers to as rising, um, that they can be impregnated from that orifice. So uh, you know, it, it, it's but basically when I got to the the cloacas and the tickle masses, I was like, damn it! No, jeez, oh, oh beans, no. Um, but by the end of it, like, the story kind of won me back. Like, I still wasn't mm-hmm. into it sexually, but I was like, I'm glad I read that. Like, yeah. this this was a fun way to spend an afternoon. It does sort of uh, veer into the arena of, like, that weird, like, alpha, beta, omega, like, I'm in heat, and so my butthole produces, like, gushing amounts of fluid. But is that weird for, like, an established, like, amphibious hermaphrodite species? It's not, but I'm just so weirded out by it from my, like, understanding of it, like, in a fan fiction setting that I'm just put off. But 
within this context, this is like the only place where that makes any sense. There's a lot of things in this story where I'm like, if this was in any other story in any other context, I'd be like, nope, done, bye. Yeah. Um, it's but the power of Twyla. She makes it. She just leans work. so far into the weird. Like she found the line that she had to hit of weirdness and was like, I'm just going to keep going. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah. Is that cool with everyone? Polemic um, does not exist. Yeah. This was not a, a standard orc story. Um, and in some ways, I'm disappointed. But in some ways, I'm kind of glad. Like, I'm kind of glad that uh, that I had to walk down this very weird road and that you had to walk down it with yeah, me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think that this is the kind of story that you would have had to be tricked into, like, investing in. Because if you had seen this on Amazon... And, like, <laughs> and it had been marketed as cloaca tentacles, like, uh, I would have been like, no, thank you. Cloaca core. Yeah. Because, I mean, given that you were going into this looking for something that's very standard and in line with your own preferences, you would have steered clear of what has turned out to be just a roller coaster of delights. Yeah. Um, so I hope that Twyla has a long and successful career, is what I'm saying here. Do we know if she's written anything else? Have we investigated her uh, oeuvre? I haven't looked, but I can. I'm curious. Um, while we're doing that, I guess we should kind of go over like our normal like thoughts and checklists. Um, what? Do, so, as someone who isn't into this game, into this particular kink, what will you say um, for the average person buying this story? Like, what do you think they're looking for? I mean, not not to. I'm a little less forthcoming about my own uh, preferences on this podcast, but I, I would say that like all of the things that you find attractive about this, what you thought this story was going to be, I I I would be into too. Um, I think that I think the story really achieves what so many of these like xenophilic stories like all the things that they market themselves as but fail to deliver, which is like being weird enough to satisfy somebody who is looking for monster porn, who's not coming in looking for like, ooh, it's a dragon, just kidding. It's a big muscle man with like red eyes or something and a perfectly normal dick. This is like for people who are out there buying those like ovipositor dildos. Oh yeah, they're shopping on Bad Dragon. Oh God. Yeah, bat. I guess... Yeah, I know what Bad Dragon is. Yeah, you do. Don't even front. Not, I mean, not not for uh, personal shopping purposes, but I've I've seen it make the make the rounds on the internet as just a, a thing that people are into. Mm-hmm. Weird dragon dicks, but yeah, I mean, there there is certainly a, a pretty robust market for weird monster porn, and this story, I think, is one of the few that I've come across, and certainly I think the only one that we've dealt with on this podcast that actually is strange enough and immersive enough and like a weird uh, monster biology to satisfy the kind of person who's going to seek it out. In a weird way, it almost makes the other kinks in the story more approachable. Like you, like you, it it conditions your brain to accept like (laughs) weird shit's going to happen and lets you sort of engage with kinks like fisting Mm -hmm. or, or gangbang scenes or something in a way that like, there's a degree of separation, so it's a little bit, like, less intimidating to think about those kinks, or at least that's the way that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's setting up a universe where you're, from the get-go, you're prepared for strange things to happen, so that if, I think something like fisting, like, in this world full of cloacas and, like, writhing bushes of tentacles in place of a dick, like, this is, 
Like, fisting may even be, like, grounding the reader in the familiar. Mm-hmm. Maybe not fisting up to the up to the <laughs> shoulder, but I don't know. Twyla's got to go her own way. Twyla's going to live her life <laughs> and live her truth, and we we don't get a say in it. Did you see if she did? Does she have? She's got three other ones. Are they all orcish? In they nature? are not at oh. all. There's um, one that just seems like oh, it's werewolves. Mm. Uh, one that's about a Christmas elf. I ain't touching that. Ooh, Cornelius, the wizard's cure. What is? I'm trying to think. If it, I don't see any, like it just looks like a sci-fi one. Oh man, this might was, just feel like a general audience's. Yeah, I was I was looking for a uh, a hook in there. It's like a wizard and and dot dot dot. But no, it looks like it's just normal. What philistine? Oh no, it's a unicorn. I found it. I found the keyword. Is it sexual though? In nature, is it a sexual unicorn? Is yes. what you're asking me? Yeah. Um, Where does that horn end up? It doesn't say. <laughs> I did see as as you were scrolling that it looks like this box set that we have just read has gotten an average of about two and a half stars out of five. And I've got to say, I'm a little disappointed. In, oh no, uh, the, the box set has uh, four, four and a half. Okay, it's okay. only ravished by orcs. The first story, which okay. Was three. I was going to be really disappointed in the uh, readership. Of- so it seems like people just really need to get invested mm-hmm. in in their relationship in order to, to come through. I didn't notice that there were reviews on this. <laughs> Absolutely scorching fantasy male male erotica. Ooh. Holy tentacle porn, Batman. Freaking adorable. Prose has tentacles. Adorable. Biology humor. Traps. The normal kind. Blueness. <laughs> This is this person listing off their check marks of everything that they demand to have. Blueness is listed as a pro. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I feel like the, like the person that's that's clicking on this is going to be one of two kinds of people. Either they want a traditional orc story, in which case I think that there's enough here to recommend, maybe not on an erotic level, mm-hmm. strictly speaking, but like there's enough here to recommend for that person. And for the person that just wants weird monster stuff, like, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, 100% check this out. If you want weird monster stuff that's not, uh, like, being pooped out by a dinosaur (laughs) or that assemblage of, like, trilobites forming themselves into a giant penis. Yeah, this is what um, really weird monster porn looks like when it's actually sexy. Uh, not when it's like a fever dream, like a nightmarish, like the delirious ramblings of yeah. some some I don't even know some fucking Lovecraftian horror nightmare. There, there's a little, there's a, uh, a pinch of Lovecraftian imagery here. Yeah, I, I like the 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 sexy fish man from the sea kind of tentacle genitalia, just like a little wink. Yeah, um, just a very. I, w- I would read more of this, uh, probably not for my own uh, benefit, capital B, if you will, but but if if I found out that, that Twyla released another story, I'd probably pick it up just to read it outside of this mudcast. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I think she's got, like, a legitimate talent. Yeah, I think that she's, she's legitimately really good at what she does. Um, so yeah. Hats P- off to you, Twyla. Pick it up. It was not very expensive. Um, shit, it doesn't tell me how much it costs because I already own it. Hold on, let me go to my orders. (laughs) 
It cost me five dollars and forty cents for two hundred pages, which okay. which is fair. It's two hundred well written pages, and I, I would agree with you that there is an element of the sexy here, even for somebody who's not into this brand specifically of of sex. So yeah. Uh, a purchase well made. I've spent $5 on things for this podcast that are so much worse. <laughs> You've squandered $5 in much worse ways. Just thrown it into the furnace. <laughs> into the Amazon furnace. Um, so yeah. So I think uh, I think it's worth mentioning real quick. Um, right now, I think the plan is... Because um, I... Uh, I, I recently separated from my partner and I'm moving and I'm kind of got like a lot of on my plate right now. Um, you're kind of coming to the end of your derby season right, right. now. At the end but... of this week, I will have more free time. It sounds like you might have a bit less. Yeah. Um, so right now I think that we're hoping to get one episode out a month, uh, rather than two. But in lieu of that, I'm hoping for us to start putting out more, um, sort of multimedia stuff, stuff that is less prep-heavy than this show tends to be. Um, my hope is to maybe move towards longer-form books for the Smutcast. Sure, I'd be um, Like 200-page style stuff like this versus the 20, 30, 40-page short stories that we've, we've done a lot in the past. Uh, move towards longer-form narrative so that we have more to dig into and then produce other stuff on the side. Um... Whether that be the um, Summer Smutcast stuff that we talked about, where we do sort of like visual novels, dating sims, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. Or whether that takes the form of um, just other content in, uh, content in general. I was running the idea of um, doing maybe like a Let's Play series with you and our fr- mutual friend Jasmine, uh, where we just play old PlayStation games uh, and it, we call it Gay Station, and we just, like, see what children of the 90s had to entertain themselves with. <laughs> um, but, but I think that, uh, we, I would like for us to, if we are going to move to a monthly schedule, I would like for us to still be able to provide content for people to enjoy. Certainly. So, um, and I think that something like Let's Plays, or, or something where we can kind of do a little more off the cuff, uh, would facilitate that pretty well. And for the things that we do need to prep for, that we would have more time to... To really dig in yeah, and develop our thoughts for. To analyze. Um, anything you want to plug this week? Anything you're excited about? Uh, I have a couple things to plug this week. Uh, a few different uh, forms of media. Uh, on the music tip, I've been really into the new Christine and the Queens album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's called Chris. It is fantastic French synthy pop sort of like robin-esque you hear um, she's coming out with a new album she is i can't wait i'm super happy about for it. it um so this album is great um it's sort of very queer flavored too and uh let's see movie wise i just saw the movie mandy with nicholas cage oh yeah how's that uh it is incredibly metal and fantastic if you liked the movie beyond the black rainbow for anybody who's seen that uh, then you would be into this and you'll know what you're in for. It's very atmospheric, very uh, sort of slow moving, but punchy and violent where it counts. Killer soundtrack. Uh, and I just started watching Maniac, which is also fantastic. I don't want to give really anything away about that, but it's on Netflix. It's a mindfuck. 
the visuals are stellar. Uh, yeah, what about you? Uh, well, Chris and I are going to go see uh, Assassination Nation if you want to go see that. I absolutely do. Um, but I can't recommend it yet because I haven't seen it. Um, what I can recommend is the newest season of BoJack Horseman. Um is sort of themed around the uh, Me Too movement and and how we excuse shitty behavior from men. Uh, and Timely. it is, uh, it is. I don't know if it's the best season that the show's ever done, but it is very, very good. Um, that show consistently just churns out some of the best television writing that's out there, and I highly recommend giving it a shot if you haven't. I haven't, and um, I would like to, based on your recommendation in jasmine's as well yeah skip skip um skip i think to the episode the telescope i think is what it's called um do i not need the the context and the character building of the first few episodes it'll mostly establish like he's he's a washed up sitcom celebrity and this girl is writing a biography about him okay uh and that's it that's really all you need to know um so the telescope yeah all right um I just played Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is the third game in the um, Tomb Raider prequel trilogy. Uh, is this the one that all the Gamergate types were lamenting about the lack of titties? Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't remember that because um, the game came, the first one in the trilogy came out so long ago, like probably six years, I guess, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's time. I've been out of college for so long. The time is just like a flat circle at this point. Um, but yeah, I would believe that that was a thing. Uh, it's really, really good. Really, really well written. Lara's an actually really compelling character in this prequel trilogy. Um, I've played through all three of them and they've all been fantastic. Uh, and it didn't sell for crap. So go pick it up so that they'll <laughs> keep making more. And then, um, as far as podcasts go, I started listening to a podcast called It Really Makes You Think. Mm-hmm. It's by uh, Jill Friedman. She's an Austin-based comedian. And it is um, a- Jill is a good friend of mine, actually. Not a, I mean, I don't know her as well as I just uh, sort of made it seem, but she is a friend of mine who is... Uh, Doing all kinds of things on the Austin scene. Tell me about her podcast. Uh, it is a Daria, uh, like a, a Daria recap podcast. Like she watches an episode of Daria in each episode and like has guests on. And they talk about it. Um, and as someone who grew up with Daria and like holds that show so close to my heart, um, it's really really good. And I awesome. really recommend it. Go Jill, Jill, if you're listening, get on you, my friend. Um, yeah, that's about all I've got. I actually have one more rec. Um, you it. So I am not super generally jazzed about the podcast, last podcast on the left, because... Ooh, I hate it. Uh, yeah, there, there's one, there's one of these three men that just, like, has to bellow hoarsely and, like, drunkenly sounding over everybody else when they're trying to teach me <laughs> shit. It, it is, it is... I don't know his name, but they should... Oh, God, he's annoying. He I, ruins it for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you get through your recommendation, but I... I Real quick, have to shine your parade for a second. Listening to the last podcast on the left is like listening to the podcast version of Crazy Ira and the Douche from Parks and Rec. Yeah, man, I get that impression too. That's a really good comparison. Um, but uh, be that as it may, um, on my derby team's uh, retreat from driving back from Corpus Christi this past uh, couple weekends ago, we listened to an episode, a two-parter on um, the Donner Party, and I was shocked by how fantastic and well-researched it was. And it was uh, thanks in no small part to this book called uh, The Indifferent Stars Above. 
which I'm currently reading, absolutely stellar. Um, I'm about 70 pages in, uh, just not only tackles the subject of the Donner Party uh, disaster with a lot of compassion and uh, just care, but it also goes into a lot of historical context and gives some really gritty, super morbid in ways that you wouldn't expect details of frontier life. So I fully recommend it. Not even halfway through, just obsessed with it. But anyway, that's what I've got. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, We'll be back to you in October, which in retrospect, should have saved this one, should have called it Orktober, but what can you do? (laughs) We got to do something spooky. We'll we'll get there. I love that idea. All right. Well, join us for our spooktacular holiday extravaganza. I was going to make a sex pun, but I couldn't think of one. Good night, everybody. Sextravaganza. Good night. You could do better. I know.